Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Save the Kids podcast. It's your one-stop shop for raising kids in this tech-heavy world. We bring on professionals and experts to give you all the tools you need to help your kids become fire-breathing warriors that have the strength to break out of the mold society has put them in. At the end of the day, we're all here for one reason, to help save some kids. I'm your host, Nate Webb. Let's get to it. Hello, hello, everybody. I hope you guys are doing fantastic. This week's episode is going to be a conversation that I had with the one and only Jolene Wynn. She's been on this podcast before, but we thought it was especially pertinent to bring her on again this week. Uh, We talk about what it's like being the wife, the spouse, the loved one, the partner of someone who has a porn addiction, how you can get over that addiction even when they can't. Um, It's a really, really good episode. You guys are definitely want to listen up. So enjoy the podcast. All right. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. I am so dang excited to be here today with my guest, Jolene Wynn. So after five to six years of marriage, her husband dropped the bomb that he'd been addicted to pornography the whole time in secret. And he was said he was going to take care of it and didn't want to talk about it. And just feeling alone and isolated, Jolene discovered quickly how much um, is focused on the porn addict and how much is not focused on the porn addict spouse and loved ones and family. So she became the resource she wished she had and is now a coach to help other women like herself who have spouses with porn or addiction problems. And she helps them overcome their partner's addiction so they can leave a happier life regardless of the choices of others. So welcome, welcome Jolene to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. That was quite the intro. I was like, that was great. I'm oh, just thank you. Use that intro. <laughs> I'll send it great. to you. So first off, how the heck are you? Where are you coming at us from? I am great. Thank you very much. I am from North Carolina. That For is reals? current residence. Yes. For reals. You For reals, North Carolina. Did you ever live in Utah ever? No, no. Well, I mean, okay. No, I did during college. I went to a little school called Brigham Young University and I lived in Utah while I went there. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you, you went to the Lord's university. Sorry, I, sure I, I just had to, I just, had to. <laughs> I did. I went to the Lord's other university called Utah state. Uh-huh. Um, yes. So. <laughs> yes. That is actually where I met my husband. My husband is from Idaho. I actually grew up in Delaware and my husband's from Idaho. We met at in college. There you go. Same here. I actually, me and my wife met at my brother's wedding because she was roommates with my brother's wife. So we we're checking each other out in the ceiling room. Nice. And then, <laughs> yeah, I like anyway, it. So, well, that's awesome. So I am really, really thankful you're here. Tell us a little bit about how you end up in this space. I mean, like we said, you found out after like six years of marriage, your husband had been addicted to porn the whole time. And I cannot imagine that was an easy pill to swallow. Not um, so much. <laughs> and, and I mean, it must have left you shell shocked. And like, it was, I, you know, I don't know if I'm just, if I missed signs, I, I work with clients now who, if they find out they're like, oh, that makes so much sense. All of a sudden the pieces go together for me. There were, I had no idea. There were no second guessings. There wasn't anything that was, you know, kind of a clue. So mm-hmm. when we've been married about six years, he just one day came to me and said, Hey, I want to talk to you about something. And it's like, all right. And he said, okay, so I just want to let you know that I've been addicted to porn. And I, and I say addicted because that's what he said. That's the word he used. And he said, 
I'm taking care of it. I don't need help. And I don't want to talk about it. And I was like, oh, well, that's great. <laughs> so hey, bye, hun. have a good day. Yeah. And I was like, really? You know? So for me, there were two like main responses I had. I was kind of split in half. Part of me was like, that's cool. We, I, we got this like this, we can handle, right? Like this is something we can totally do. And then part of me thought there must be something really wrong with me. If my husband was watching porn. Mm. Oh man. I, yeah. Like I imagine there's a lot of people out there that probably blame themselves a little bit when mm-hmm. they're like, my, my, my husband, my spouse, my partner is involved mm-hmm. with pornography. I must be doing something wrong. Um, but I mean, you guys were in a happy, happy marriage. Yes, like we were. in the bed was great. And yes. out of the bed was great. Yes. And so, I mean, I don't think that that was, I don't think that that was the, the, the thing. And I don't think that's the thing for most people. It's like, not, it's definitely not. That's one of the things that I am. So it's one of the reasons why I do what I do right now. I coach women in the same situation, because one of the biggest lies that we believe is that pornography addiction is about sex and it's not pornography addiction. Pornography itself is sexual, which is why our brain thinks that the addiction must be about sex. And so that's why women, the spouse, we often get into this trap of like, okay, well, maybe if I lose weight or, you know, do my hair different or, you know, make sure I'm always on or always say yes, or try something sexier, right. Then maybe I'll fulfill him enough so that he won't feel the need to go do this thing. But Mm. the root of a pornography addiction is actually emotional, right? You're a counselor, you deal with all the emotional things in it. It comes out in different ways. Pornography addiction is simply the avenue that my husband chose One, because it's like easily accessible, it's free, you know, it's easy to hide. There are so many reasons and and there's like this physical feel good at the end, right? There are so many reasons why it's a very easy distraction from your emotional problems. And that's Mm -hmm. really what it was. Yeah. Well, and I mean, for a lot of kids, like including myself, like when I was younger, for a lot of kids, um, they view pornography. um, It's more of a symptom of something yes, exactly that's happening. Yes, was exactly. that, was that, was that the case with your husband? A hundred percent. And that's what I absolutely have seen a hundred percent across the board. It's always a symptom. And that's how I describe it to my clients. It's one of the ways that I help them overcome all of these, you know, this lie that it somehow has to do with us is that is recognizing that it's not about sex and that it's a, it's a symptom of an emotional problem and, mm-hmm. or not even a problem, but just that there are emotions undealt with Right. And they're trying to escape them and they have simply chosen to do that through. Right. It's like directly to mental health. There's emotional, there's mental turmoil that's going on and they, they turn to that Avenue. Yes. Um, And sometimes you have no clue. Mm -hmm. Like not everybody turns into an objectifying jerk. Exactly. It's like, no, most of the guys are actually really good guys and they just don't know what to do about it. And they feel terrible, which Mm -hmm. is part of the reason why, I mean, my husband, my husband came and told me, but it took six years, you know, and, and it just, he just had so much shame and so much guilt about it. And that's one of the things that I'm, that is so hard to get people out of when they're in kind of an addictive behavior is the shame of it. Oh yeah. Just drag him down even more. So how did you guys move forward from that? Like, what was that journey like? Like, all right, hey, 
I have this porn consumption problem. I'm okay. We're going to work through it. You feel like crap now. Have a good day. Yeah. Then what? <laughs> like, how, so, how, how did we move forward from there? So it, for a couple of years, it was just kind of awkward conversation. It was just like every six months or so, I would say, hey, how are you? And he'd be like, I'm fine. And that's it, really. <laughs> like that, and that was literally the extent of the conversation. Like there wasn't that one thing you told me a little while ago. <laughs> I would like an update. <laughs> yeah, that thing that we're not talking about. Can you just like let me know where we're at? Yeah. That was pretty much what that was like. And I knew he didn't want to talk about it, but I but I my brain immediately was like, Okay, well, you're the addict. Let's get you in all the things like, is there a, a group or a therapist or something like that, that we can have you do? My brain really wanted to focus on him because he was the one with the problem, right? Well, he mm. didn't want to do any of those things. And so I had to learn very quickly just how to let it go. I had to learn how to just let him do whatever he was going to do because he was going to do it anyway. And it took several years of him relapsing and me trying to overcome all of the desire to try to manipulate him and his behavior. Mm. And I just had to release that and then say, you know what, I'm just going to focus on myself because I can't focus on him. Nothing that I do is going to change his behavior. He has to do that on his own. Right. Woof. How do you change that mindset? How do you stop focusing on that? I mean, you can't control your <laughs> husband, but how do you like, you know what? I can overcome his addiction and how it's affecting me. I don't have to overcome it for him. It was a slow process for sure. Um, simply because part of the reason was because I wasn't talking to anybody about it. Right. It didn't even occur to me to find help for myself. I didn't even know that was a thing. And I wasn't talking to him about it, obviously. <laughs> and I didn't tell anyone else. So partly I just didn't know about all the resources that I know about now. Um, so it took me a couple of years. I mean, there were several years of me having pretty much a lot of anxiety, you know, anytime he looked at his phone or mm. anytime we watched a movie and there was like even kissing, right? Or anytime I would go on a trip and he was joining like a couple days later, right? Because he was in school and working. I would just have a lot of anxiety because I mm -hmm. knew that here was a lot of opportunity for him to right. relapse. And mm -hmm. so there were several years of that. But luckily, I have a very low tolerance for emotional turmoil. So I was able to very pretty quickly say, all right, this is, this is not how I'm going to live my life. Right. And I was able to shift my mindset on my own. And then I was introduced to, you know, mindset podcasts and life coaching podcasts. And I started doing that work on my own pretty quickly. Wow. I, that would be so hard. <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I mean, just the, the sheer amount of time and energy of like, you know what? No, it's not on me. Mm -hmm. His actions are not on me. Mm -hmm. My actions are on me, but his actions are not. Mm -hmm. I would be so difficult to like move forward with it. Mm -hmm. And so like, as, as you started to shift this focus, um, how are you, how are you guys able to build that trust again? 
Um, we did. I, this is a great question. <laughs> I think one of the things that I, in order to move forward, I actually just had to accept that I didn't trust him. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. <laughs> and I fought it for a really long time, right? Because I trusted him and everything else. And I had, that's what I had to become okay with. I had to say, you know what? I do trust him as a father. I trust mm. him as a provider. I trust him as a friend. I, part of me doesn't trust him in this area. And that's right. okay. Right. Right. And that's yeah. okay. Yes. That's okay. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was actually able to just say, you know what? I don't trust him and that's okay. That's when I was finally able to move forward because we're never able to move forward into where we want to go until we accept where we are. Oof. Wow. And so, I mean, part of accepting where you are, I'm sure you probably like, you know, shortly after he dropped the bomb on you, you had a lot of things in your head of like rationales of trying to make sense of it to make yourself feel mm. better about it. Mm. Um, what were some of those things that you were telling yourself to try and make yourself feel better when you just needed to swallow the hard truth pill? I don't think I actually did that. I don't think I made myself feel better. <laughs> like I said, I have a, a very natural low tolerance for emotional. This feels like crap. I'm not doing this. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I really think God knew that I couldn't do it that way. Like I, I would just not have the ability to function. And yeah. so he, I really feel like I was blessed with the ability to process my emotions. And I didn't know that that's what that was until I started getting introduced to mindset and life coaching. And I was like, oh, everyone doesn't just do this. I, I didn't realize it was something that had to be taught because I've always done it. Does that make sense? I feel you so much right now, <laughs> like going through counseling and talking about just some like simple resiliency stuff. I was like, wait, this isn't really you have right. to teach people to do this. Yeah. Sometimes? Yes. Because my brain just operates like as he told me this, I just processed it as it came. And yeah, it felt awful. But I also knew, like I said, part of me was like, this is doable. Mm -hmm. You know, like this is not something that we can't handle because we can handle anything. And right. it never occurred to me. It never even crossed my mind once to leave or to separate or to divorce or anything. So you guys are that still happily married. Yes. Yeah. Our relationship is better than ever. That is awesome. Yeah. And so like, as you guys journeyed through this addiction, um, I'm sure as he was able to, you know, become, you don't call it sober, but I don't know what you right. call it. <laughs> um, you know, as he was able to ditch pornography, um, what were, I don't know, what were some of the, the bridges that got rebuilt and Ooh, how were they able to get rebuilt? That's a really great question. Um, trust was one of them. And I think, like I said, it started with me accepting that I didn't trust him and that that was okay. Yes. A lot of people think they get nervous about not trusting because they think, well, what does that mean for our relationship? Right. Does right. that mean that our relation, our marriage is doomed to fail? You, you got to start at ground zero. You can't cheat yes. and start at like ground five. Right. <laughs> exactly. And you just have to be okay that it's different. Right. And that it's fine. And, and I think the other, one of the, one of the bigger things too was our sex life. Um, not that it ever struggled at all, but just as things came out about his pornography addiction, there were a lot of thoughts that I had to deal with. And I think the thing that really helped build that bridge and, and make it so that it's better than ever is really me 
overcoming my own physical insecurities. Right. Mm. So a lot of women think that their husband's pornography addiction creates their physical insecurities. Therefore the solution is okay. He stops watching porn and then I'll feel better. But ladies, I mean, like we're being totally honest, like I've been insecure about my body since I was 11. Right. So he didn't create that. I've had that for a very long time. His addiction just kind of brought it to the surface, Mm -hmm. just kind of forced me to look at it. Mm -hmm. And so once I did, and I was able to work through those insecurities and overcome them, then they weren't in between me and my husband in our physical intimacy. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, man. And so how big of a role does communication play in your guys' marriage now that you've gone through the ringer? Like how often you guys talk about these tough subjects or just, just talk in generals to make sure that we're all on the same page all the time. So here's, what's fascinating is my husband and I have always had great communication. And I say that even knowing that he lied to me for six years, like <laughs> we have always had a great, re- I know that sounds crazy. It's like, oh, I don't think that's what that is. Um, but it is, we have always had a really, really honest and open conversation and we've been able to talk to each other about everything. And so I think that was one of the reasons why finding this out was so shocking is because I kind of would have assumed he would have told me sooner. Um, but now we have learned how to communicate about difficult things even though it brings up difficult emotion, right? Mm. I think that's the reason why it's not really that there are difficult topics. It's that when you talk to people about things, you have certain thoughts that bring on a whole slew of emotions, right? And learning how to communicate about something that brings up so much emotion and being willing to sit there and feel that and talk about it anyway Mm -hmm. has enabled us to face a lot more things than we otherwise would have like let like money okay money is something like my husband and I can talk about his porn his porn addiction like all day long I mean that's what I do as a job now we talk about it all the time and that's easier to talk about than like our finances right <laughs> so it has helped a ton just in that it has taught us how to sit and I can just sit and feel like guilty for spending all of our money and he can sit there and feel <laughs> responsible for bringing in all the money or whatever it is. And we can sit there and have a conversation about money and feel all the feelings. And that's really just something we learned through this experience. Woof, woof, man, this has been so enlightening. I'm so (laughs) thankful to be talking to you a, um, but also so thankful for all the people that you help on a daily basis. Cause I know there's a lot of people that feel ostracized, isolated alone, yeah. um, because of their loved one's addiction, whether it be a spouse or some mom just figured out their teen boy is addicted. Yes. He's been viewing pornography, stuff like that. Um, and I mean, what, what would you say to some of the people that might be listening? If, you know, let's say, you know, a teen or husband comes up, it's like, Hey, babe, mom, whoever I've been viewing mm-hmm. like, and they're like, I don't know what to do. What do I do? <laughs> what would you say? Like steps one and two are for them. Um, step number one, obviously this would be after the conversation is over, but step number one, I would say is to get professional help. A hundred percent, a hundred percent for all parties involved. Yes. Okay. So like for the addict, whether that is a teenager or a spouse, whoever it is, get them help, but then also get it for yourself. And a yes. lot of people, um, 
like to do this as far as a marriage with like a couple's counseling. And I think that's great. But what I personally recommend and have found to be super helpful is to do all the things. Like if you want to get a couple's counselor, great, but like you need someone who's individually looking at you and who is separate from whoever's looking at the addict, Mm -hmm. whether that be your son or your husband or whoever it is. So that's my first thing is to don't keep silent about it. Okay. Yes. And then my second thing is don't make it bigger than it is. Now I say that (laughs) cautiously knowing that I'm, I'm not saying that it's not a big deal. That's not what I'm saying. But a lot of times our tendency is to make this heavier and much more weighted and eternally significant. And to like, you know, just add on this weight and this drama that doesn't need to be there. And that all happens with the way we talk to ourselves about it, right? Like, oh my gosh, this is such a big deal. I can't believe this is happening to me. I never thought this would be us. Those kind of thoughts just add a lot of pressure and a lot of weight. And we can just let all of those go. Like pornography addiction, totally handleable, which is not a word, but we'll go with it. It is now. (laughs) I love that. I love that so much. Um, it is totally handleable and it's not your fault. Yes. It is a hundred percent not your fault. So stop blaming yourself because it's not your fault. It's not Absolutely. about you. It's about the problems of your loved one. I yes. love it so much. All right. Yes. So Jolene, how can people keep up with what you are doing right now? Shameless plug time. Let's hear it. Okay. Well, I do a weekly podcast called the porn addicts wife. And so that is where I talk a lot about this all the live long day. And then I also have a coaching program. So I coach women who have a spouse struggling with pornography and you can find all the details about that, um, at my website, which is jolenewin.com. And I, you can follow me on Instagram at Jolene coaching. And all of that will be in the podcast description. Um, so thank you so much, Jolene, for being here. And thank you for listening to today's episode, everybody. Um, If you want to get me into your schools, you can go follow at Save the Kids Inc. or at BulliesBE.gone. You can send me or my girl Liz uh, from Save the Kids a message to get us into your school. Um, All that's in the podcast description as well. Always remember, you are wonderful, you are worthy, and you are worth it. Go home and give your kids an eight-second hug, and we'll see you on the next one.